Boom. Welcome to Healing Your Families. I'm Emily Penrod, and I help you as a parent go from frustration, stress, and overwhelm to calm, confidence, and joy so that you can achieve the quality of family life that you desire. This is the last in our series on responsibility and choices. And today we're going to be talking about teaching your children responsibility. Remember our ultimate goal as parents is to raise children to be independent, successful adults. And that means that they're able to think for themselves, make their own decisions, set and reach lofty goals and give back to their community. And this word responsible is talking about being able to respond, to be able to meet these accomplishments. So today we're talking about teach your children responsibility through choices. C-H-O-I-C-E-S. And that's our acronym, and I'm going to use that as our outline today. So, the C stands for choose. Life is a matter of chance. Life is not a matter of chance. Life is a matter of choice. We choose what we do, and therefore our actions lead to our results. Albert Camus said, Life is a sum of all your choices. So what are you going to do today? Now, some may feel like this isn't fair. My circumstances are different. I don't feel like I have complete choice. I'm feeling stuck and compelled. I like to use the example of Viktor Frankl. He was a Jewish psychologist during World War II in Germany-occupied Austria. And he was greatly restricted. A lot of choice was taken from him. One of the laws was that Jewish couples could not have children. When his wife became pregnant, she was compelled to have the baby aborted because that was the law of the state they lived in, the government they lived under. Later on, and, and he deeply mourned this loss later in his life. He always felt the loss of that child. But he was arrested. He was sent to a concentration camp. Over the next three years, he lived in four different concentration camps, including Auschwitz. He experienced the worst of humanity. He was like the other inmates. He was given... He, was, he had inadequate clothing and food and shelter. He was beaten. He was abused. And being the psychologist, he observed the behavior of the other inmates. And he saw some who gave up and died. Some became angry and bitter. And yet others continued to serve. They went about doing everything they could to relieve the suffering of their fellow inmates. Viktor Frankl survived this. He lived for decades afterwards. He wrote several books. The most significant one is Man's Search for Meaning. And he helped countless people understand the power of their choices. He wrote, Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess, 
except one thing your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. He also wrote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Let's and, and he used that space, that choice, to decide that he was going to live and become a better person. And that is exactly what he did. Now let's, let's apply this analogy to parenting. What would it look like? Assume that it's after school. You're home. You're waiting for your children to come home. And your daughter, who normally bounds in gleefully, comes and finds you, and joyfully tells you all the exciting things she did that day. And you have this routine, and it's important to you, and you have rules in your family too. Well, when your daughter comes home, she doesn't even look at you. She skulks off to her bedroom and slams the door. There's the stimulus. You now choose your response. Do you go and scold your daughter for forgetting the rule about not slamming doors and for not coming to greet you when she came home from school? Or do you consider that maybe something happened at school? Maybe she's hurting. Maybe she doesn't need a scolding. Maybe she needs a listening ear. Examine the difference those two choices make in your behavior. You can either proceed to add to your daughter's emotional pain or you can strengthen your bond with her, nurture her, give her that that sacred space that she can share her her hurts, her ideas, her feelings. It makes a huge difference. As a parent you choose how you interact with your children. You choose, think about the choices that you're making as a parent. H stands for honor their uniqueness. Anyone who has more than one child knows they are not all alike. The things you did that worked perfectly with your oldest child may not work for younger siblings. That's because they have different personalities, different motivations. Personality has been studied ever since the days of Plato. There are several different theories and categories. It basically boils down to four. And of course, people are, are a blend of more than one as well. But I like to use the Peanuts gang. That's a popular comic strip in the United States by Charles Schultz. And all the personalities are represented in this group of cartoon characters. First we have Lucy. Lucy is a born leader. She likes to organize things and people. She likes to be in charge. You give her a project and she will, it's done, it's done. She will carry it through and do it well. However, sometimes she puts more focus on the project than the people. She can come across as rather overbearing and bossy. 
And sometimes she hurts people's feelings. She might learn a little more responsibility by learning that people are more important than things. Next, there's Linus. And Linus is fun-loving, charming, charismatic, loves a party. But sometimes he can get distracted and forget commitments that he made. Linus could maybe learn to become more responsible by focusing on his goals, learning to focus, learning to value a promise and why it needs to be kept. Charlie Brown is sensitive. He cares about others. He's a people pleaser. He wants everyone to be happy. And he could learn more responsibility by becoming a little more assertive. Sometimes he lets people walk all over him. Maybe he could learn to set some healthy boundaries. And then there's Linus. Linus is detail-oriented. He has this logical mind. He likes order and method. He's brilliant. He can solve any math problem or computer problem you give him. But he has no time for small talk. And he can come across as rather cold and uncaring. Maybe he can learn to be more responsible for the way he treats others more considerate and a little more flexible. Sometimes he gets pretty rigid. As a parent, you have the opportunity to help your children learn their strengths. Make sure they recognize their, the talents and gifts they're born with and that they also learn how to overcome the challenges that come with their personality so that they can be the best they can be. They can become their best selves as they mature towards adulthood. O stands for options. Give them options. Now when we talked about the parenting styles, briefly you remember that there's the neglectful parenting style, which is low in nurturing and low in expectations from the child. So the parent doesn't give much and they don't expect much from their children. Basically, their children are left to raise themselves. Then there's the permissive parent and they give lots of love and nurturing, but they don't expect much from their children. On the other hand are the authoritarian parenting style. And this is where the expectations are high. They expect a lot from their children but they don't give the love and nurturing that their children need. It's, you do it, you do it now, and you do it because I said so. The fourth style, the authoritative parenting style, which decades of research has proven to be the most effective. Children raised under this parenting style reach that goal of being independent, successful adults who have high self-confidence, can set and reach goals. And in this parenting style, that's high on both levels, the parents give love and nurturing, and they have high expectations for their children. 
And the major difference that separates this parenting style from the other three is options. Communication is two-way. In the authoritarian, the parents are laying down the law. This is the way it is. And the authoritative, it's a more of a discussion. And they're planning together how to make the home a better place. One example is nutrition. Some parents feel strongly that they want their children to eat a plant-based diet. They believe it's healthier. So they would be taking their children to the produce section or even better, a farmer's market where they may let you sample different vegetables. The children could be trying vegetables they've never tried before, deciding which ones they liked. And maybe planning the menu, the fam the menu for the next week, what the family eats. They're following the parents' value of eating a healthy diet, but they're given options as to what fruits and vegetables they want to eat. People, especially children, are much more likely to buy in to what is asked of them when they're given choice. I have a nine-year-old granddaughter and I just love spending time with her. She is so much fun to be around. We go swimming, we go to parks, we go to museums, to the library. Sometimes she just comes over to my house and we do arts and crafts. And invariably, she wants to extend the activity longer than my schedule will allow. Well, I want her to only have happy memories of time with grandmother. I don't want contention. So I measure the time. I'm keeping track of how much time we have, making allowances for cleanup time and travel time. And as we're, I'm seeing the time pass, I will give her an option. I will say, do you want to leave in 15 minutes or 20? And invariably, she'll pick the longer time. But we leave on time to accommodate my schedule and she's happy because she had an option. She was able to choose. And it makes for a pleasant and joyful experience for both of us. Remember options. Wherever possible, let your child have options. I stands for instruction. And that means you're actively teaching your children. Now remember that the most effective teacher for your children is your example. And believe me, they are watching you. Do you take responsibility for your actions? Do they hear you apologizing when you've made a mistake? Do they see you making restitution, taking care of something because it needs to be taken care of? That example is powerful. Make sure you're aware of that. But in addition to that example, practical instruction, tips, and tricks, everything they need to learn. Think of the myriad of things that are required of you.
as an adult. I saw a very entertaining TV show once. The father had been in the Navy and he was showing his children how he learned to mop a floor in the Navy and he they're in the kitchen and he has the mop and he's telling them this is how you move the mop and this is how you move your body with the mop and these are the motions you make and then he handed the mop to one of the children so he demonstrated taught by example but he also gave them some practical tips and trip tricks on how to mop a floor effectively get it real clean and this can be done do your children are they learning how to cook a meal are they learning how enough about nutrition that they know what are the best foods to eat are they learning how to take care of their body how to get exercise and why they need to get exercise and what are the different kinds of exercise that they need and if there's more than one person living in the house there needs to be more than one person cleaning and taking care of it maybe divide the house into rooms and let each person be responsible for keeping a room clean let them have that experience of being the one in charge of being responsible succeeding and feeling that satisfaction of this is my room and I feel good about the way it looks I love the story of a father who whose 10 year old son he, he delegated the responsibility of keeping the yard clean he explained he took his son out to the yard explained what he wanted the son agreed to take on this responsibility he explained what he meant by a clean yard that the trash needs to be picked up all the toys need to be gathered up so that when the father mowed the grass he didn't have to worry about running over anything so the son agreed and the dad just okay now this is your this is your responsibility your stewardship he followed up the father followed up a few days later to ask the son so how's it going and the son looked around the yard that was looking pretty cluttered and he said not so good dad now the dad did not take it over he let this is his son's responsibility but he asked can I help you and the son said okay dad if you can just take care of those big things there I'll take care of the rest he allowed his son to have that experience of being in charge of stepping into some big shoes successfully and doing a good job delegate instruct your children teach them how and delegate to them the second C stands for consequences oh we don't want our children hurt we want to protect them of course we do now there's a parenting style called helicopter parenting and that's where you're just hovering there waiting to rush in and rescue them from any unpleasant consequence but sometimes a natural consequence can be a learning experience of course we always protect our children from harm or danger 
If your young child were running out into the street, that's not the time to allow natural consequences. Of course, you would physically stop them. But consider those cases when a natural consequence could prove to teach them a life lesson. Consider this, your teenage son has a major essay due in his class tomorrow and you just found out he hasn't started it yet. And you know that this is a big part of his grade and he's been on the honor roll so far this school year. And this one class could get him off the honor roll. And what's more, you had promised him if he stayed on the honor roll all school year, you would let him get his driver's license. There's a lot riding on this, and it's natural that you would want to feel, okay, son, I'm going to help you. Let's just, here, I'll sit down here at the computer. You just tell me. I'll type it up. I'll, you, know, you need me to help with research? I'll do that. Now consider, <coughs> what would happen if you let the natural consequences happen? Maybe he didn't turn in his essay. Maybe he turned in a poorly written essay. And his grade did drop. He did go off the honor roll. And you followed through and you said, son, the agreement was honor roll all year. Looks like we'll need to wait another, another semester. And he learned from it. He learned when there is a deadline, I need to start preparing well before. And he learned that so well that as an adult, he was able to get a responsible job that paid well because he knew, he had learned, and he knew what to do with the deadline, how to plan ahead to make sure everything was done before that deadline. Small consequences paid while they're young can give them life lessons that prevent those major consequences when they're an adult. If he didn't, if they don't learn it when they're a teenager, then later on it's not just a low grade, it's a job. So anytime a natural consequence would teach them a life lesson and you're worried, oh no, they'll fail, let them fail. If it allows them to learn something that's going to help them become an independent, successful adult. E stands for expect, expectations. Expect them to be successful. As parents, we tend to focus on what could possibly go wrong and the worst case scenario. But what we focus on tends to grow and expand. It almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we are consistently communicating to our children our belief in them, our confidence that they are capable and that they can succeed, yes, it is hard and we will support them, but we believe they can do it. Then those neural pathways start forming of belief and believing in themselves, confidence, I can do this, I can do hard things. 
it starts to grow. And as those are used more frequently, they get stronger. And as the negative neural pathways, the I'm not good enough, I can't do this, it's too scary, are not used, they eventually fade and they're gone. So expect them to be successful and communicate that to them. Let them expect to be successful as well. Now S stands for structure and children thrive on it. We think, oh, we don't want them to be too regulated. But the absolute worst environment for a child is one in which they don't know what to expect. They don't know when or if they will eat that day. They don't know whether their parents will respond to them with love and nurturing or lash out at them at anger. They don't know what's expected of them. It's chaos. It's a miserable life for anyone, but especially for a young, impressionable child. They need to know what is expected of them. They need to know when they need to go to bed, when they need to get up, when they will be eating. And it isn't that a, a rigid schedule needs to be kept. There can be some flexibility, but they need to know when they will be eating, what is their role in preparing for the meal or cleaning up afterwards. <clears throat> they need to know what is expected of them and what behavior they can expect from you as their parents. Structure is essential for children. They may push against it, but they need it. That's what helps them feel secure and safe, and it provides that framework that they can then build on as they start working towards their goals and meeting them. So, teach your children responsibility by remembering our acronym CHOICES. Choose wisely. As the parent, make wise choices. Honor the uniqueness of your children. Help them recognize their strengths and positive qualities and help them identify their challenges and how they can overcome them. Give, give them options. Provide instruction. Remember, the most effective teacher is your example, but you can also give them specific tools. The things maybe that you were taught or maybe you wish you were taught before you became an adult. Let them experience natural consequences, those little life lessons that will mold their character. And expect them to be successful and give them structure. So please visit my website, healingyourfamilies.com. I have a number of resources for parents. Check them out. And one of the services I offer, I, I want to tell you about that. It's a webinar. If you ever feel concerned that your child may be suffering from a low self-esteem,
maybe you see problem behaviors that indicate they're hurting emotionally. There is a way using neuroplasticity that you can help your child start new neural pathways of believing in themselves, accepting that they're loved, knowing that they're capable, feeling secure. And you can, this webinar will teach you a time-proven process. It's been 45 years in research. It has helped thousands of children. And if you learn this process, it's called the Golding Process or Sleep Talk, and follow it consistently, you will see a change in your children's behavior. You will be able to make your children allow, you will be able to help your children become healthier, happier, and more resilient. So thank you for joining me. Join me again next week at the same time. Next week we're starting a new month and a new theme. We'll be talking about confronting abuse, how we can protect our children from abuse, how we can prevent it in our homes, and how we can help family members heal. You may have experienced abuse when you were a child, and while you are not responsible for what happened to you as a child, now, as an adult, you can seek healing, and we will be addressing all of these issues in our theme next month. So until then, love yourself and love your families. Remember, we're making the world a better place by strengthening families, one family at a time. This is Emma Lou Penrod at HealingYourFamilies.com.